0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com.
1: We want to hear from you about how we're doing. You can help us improve Alt Latino by taking some time to answer questions about the show. We want to hear from everyone, including our newer listeners. Please go to npr.org forward slash alt latino survey. That's one word alt survey. Thank you. What up, everybody? It's Ana Maria Sayer, and this is alt latino. Let the chisme begin.
0: Dime, vamos para mambo, no vamos para mambo. Tú me dices, mami. Zumba!
1: So Felix has disappeared for the remainder of the year, which he somehow manages to do every single year. I don't know how he does this. <laughs> I have not figured out the trick here. But like Thanksgiving onwards, it's always like, oh, Felix is gone. He's on vacation. So um, he leaves me to wrap up the entirety of the year, draw some incredible big conclusions about this year in Latin music. But luckily, I'm not alone. I have two amazing women, friends, longtime contributors to the show on today. So say hey, Julissa Lopez.
2: Hi. How's it going?
1: Good, good. And Stephanie Fernandez. So good to be back. Thank you guys for being here. I don't really know how I would get through talking about this year without you two, because it has been quite a year, I think, in the Latin music world. Is that fair? I mean, quite a year in in life, I guess, generally, but... Absolutely. You know, we would need 20 million more shows to talk about that. But Latin music specifically, I mean, we're going to get into all of it, obviously, like albums and shows and all of these different things. I have a lot of things that I want to ask you all about. But first, I kind of wanted to hear, I'm curious from both of you, was there a singular moment or sound or experience that you had this year that you feel like sums it up this year for Latin
3: music? I've thought about this, but now as you ask me and I'm looking into your eyes, the thing that comes to mind is Tu no eres bebecita, Tu eres Besota. Ah! <laughs> the lyric and the cultural phenomenon that was mm-hmm. that song mm-hmm. um, became a meme, obviously. But I really think that, like, I mean, we're still in a pandemic, a global pandemic, important to remember. It's not over. But this album, Un Verano Sin Ti, was, like, it was the first Bad Bunny album when people could go out to the club relatively safely for many to experience a Bad Bunny album with community, as it should be. That lyric was absolutely a moment. Anytime you heard it out in the world, like, everybody just lost their minds. And it just really felt like a coming back together for Latin music.
2: I was actually going to say Bad Bunny, too. I think it was seeing Bad Bunny's show at Yankee Stadium, um, which is part Uh, of, like, a a two-night spectacular that he did in, in New York City. And I saw him on the first night, and I thought, Yankee Stadium was gonna fall down. Like it was one of the (laughs) craziest, most intense concert experience that I'd ever been to. And I think part of it too, is kind of what you're saying, Stephanie, where everyone had all this pent up energy from the pandemic and then all of a sudden they were finally getting to see Bad Bunny live in like a stadium setting. He played for three hours straight and just that energy of going through so much of his discography, so much of what he's achieved while we've like been like at home just like watching from afar and finally getting to see it live it was an incredible experience that really brought to life just what an incredible career and year and years (laughs) he's been having and that put everybody you know all of these thousands i think kinky stadium it's fifty thousand people it put everybody in the same room just watching him and singing along to every word i'd never been to a show like that before in my life
3: I saw him at Nat Stadium here in DC and it was absolutely the same vibe. Baseball vibe, super Caribbean, but also just everybody losing their minds over being able to see Bad Bunny again.
1: Obviously, like, the album itself, Un Verano Sinti, like, that was a just massive work in and of itself, right? Like, came in at 23 tracks, broke a gajillion <laughs> records. But as people who saw him and experienced him and, and what he was doing live, like, what do you think... Do the two things stand? Are they two separate parts of this year? Like, is Bad Bunny and Un Verano Sin Ti and the album and the way that it shook the world in what it did one moment and then the tours, the multiple tours, right? The stamina, I don't even, I can't even (laughs) fathom. But, like, the way that that shook the world and the way that he took that to so many different places. and, And I think a lot of people had... Experiences like like you both, where Latinos came out in insane numbers, right all over, and, and saw him perform. How do you hold those two things?
2: I kind of just see it all as this crazy roller coaster ride that he's been on that just keeps peaking and peaking and peaking. And every time you think it's done, he does something else that kind of blows your mind. I was a really really big fan of and *El del Mundo* for me. That's like one of my favorite Bad Bunny albums. I think just seeing the impact that Un Verano Sinti had and again like you were saying the records that it's broken the history that it's made it's the first all Spanish language album to be nominated at the Grammys for album of the year it feels connected to me but it does kind of just feel like these new ceilings that he keeps breaking and and this new
3: history that he, he's like rewriting again and again it's a great way to put it Julissa I was personally team Yo hago Lo Que Me Da La Gana it's my favorite Bad Bunny <laughs> yeah. album but, but I'm not mad both
1: of those I am <laughs> no, I mean we don't, we don't, you know, discriminate here. All Bad Bunny
3: works have a place in our hearts. But both of those albums had, like, really specific projects. You know, like, Yo Hago Lo Que Me Da La Gana was the, like, bringing it back to the roots old-school reggaeton album, as we talked about on the show when that came out, as well as El Ultimo Tour del Mundo, which was the, like, alt, rock, kind of more experimental album, which I also loved. I was you know, so I was, into
2: it, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes.
3: And then, you know, Bad Bunny was going to release, you know, a summer album. And I was curious, you know, like, what would that sound like? Obviously, he could do anything and people would just absolutely follow all over it. But the strength of just, like, how good each and every song on that album was is just, like, a testament to, like, yeah. And it was the summer album. (laughs) Like, it was absolutely what it set out to do. It was such a simple concept. It wasn't wrapped up in all of these, like, references and things. While there were a lot of collaborations with old-school reggaeton artists on this one as well, it was... Very straightforward in what it set out to do, and, you know, it delivered. We're all still listening to it. We're all still partying at the club to it, so...
1: (laughs) And the fact too that it it's a summer album, right, quote unquote, but it's un verano sinti. Like who sets out to make a like summer anthem record and names it un verano sinti? People took it everywhere. Like we were listening to it in the club, we were listening to it by ourselves, in our rooms, under our blanket. Like it was like all encompassing and I'm curious if you all think that there was something unique about this year that allowed for a record like that to flourish in the way that it did.
2: Yeah, I think it had a little bit of that... Yorari Perriar vibe where like mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to be in our feelings but also completely let loose when you know we were out and, and partying. I think he's always been kind of good at that, at bringing emotion to his music. I remember I, I talked to somebody years ago who put it in a really great way where they said something like if Bad Bunny didn't want to write reggaeton, he could be write like ballads. Like so many of his lyrics would totally. translate into pop ballads, would translate into more emotional music. And it's a political album as well. I just think it hit mm-hmm. so many different buckets and the way that he brought, you know, certain issues to light in Puerto Rico and, and made that also part of, of the message. I think that just how multi-layered it was, it allowed it to go so many places and mean so many different things to people. <laughs>
1: to pivot to another huge record from the year someone else who had a, a monumental kind of big tour run who just won the latin grammy taking home that actual prize of album of the year was rosalia with Motomami. what are your guys' takeaways from that impression's a very different record to be sitting there and, and obviously did not hit the world in the same way but still made a huge splash i mean what what are your thoughts on that
2: i was a really big fan of how conceptual and Malquerer was and obviously mm-hmm. I think that was an album that took her years like it was her uh, university thesis project that kind of evolved into this breakthrough so I was kind of nervous because I think following up an album like that is really difficult and nerve-wracking but I do think that she just achieved something that is really really hard on this where it's just this album that just captured her essence in so many different ways it's you know she smashes together so many different genres and styles and you know discusses so many different aspects of her own life and fame and falling in love and heartbreak and what it means to be a woman and i was just such a fan of all the contrasts on it and how how she was able to like piece this thing together and make it kind of this incredibly complex portrait of who she is <laughs>
3: Feels like we've been waiting for this album for a really long time. Like it had been anticipated for like over a year. It was very much like not the album that I think a lot of people expected. And I think a lot of that was by design. And I have my feelings on it are truly mixed. She's an incredible performer. I think this was an incredibly ambitious album. But for me, kind of the two concept halves, the the moto and the mommy didn't always feel the most cohesive. And while there's individual songs that I absolutely love, La Combi Versace was one of my most played songs of the year with Tokisha, I really think like there were some opportunities to trip it down that maybe weren't taken as well as like there's songs like Janice that are, or I don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced, it's half of its numbers, but it's like <laughs> an absolutely beautiful, touching ode to a family member um, and her reevaluating that relationship that she has with that family member through the lens of like the fame that she's experiencing now <laughs> Stuff like that was really just, like, the shining moments of of the album for me, whereas, like, the more, I don't know, the more, like, Latin pop reggaeton experiments, like Chicken Teriyaki, for instance, not my favorite, but I, like... That was not my
1: favorite either. (laughs) I, I will second that one as well. I just, you know,
3: there's a lot on this album I'm a fan of, and there's a lot that I think was mistakenly claimed within, like, a Latin pop space when I think fellow NPR contributor Serena Toros and a good friend has put it as, you know, she's a an electronic artist. She's an experimental artist. And I think it's not doing the Latin music fan community or her as an artist favors to be putting her in this box, if that makes sense.
2: <laughs> I think that's totally spot on. There's a lot of shortcomings when it comes to to labeling it. And I, I'm, I'm kind of with you that like I, I was not a fan of chicken teriyaki and there's some songs that didn't do it for me. But I was kind of impressed by her sort of willingness to have that discordance on the album and this kind of sense of mm. things that are not totally harmonious and felt like a risk. I mean, putting like Genesis, a song that like I love too, and then is so beautiful with chicken teriyaki is completely insane. But I think it just kind of shows like the way that she thinks where all of these things can exist together.
3: Another moment where I thought that contrast was incredibly successful was Delirio de Grandesa, the on Betancourt cover which at the end just bursts into a Soldier Boy sample and Vistoso Bosses. That contrast is so jarring, but such an effective commentary on her fame, on pop music in general, it really worked. And, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, the, you know, the ongoing controversies with Rosalia that we mention every time on the show. It's like that she is a Spanish artist making Latin pop, largely music from the Black Caribbean. And so as we continue to reckon with that, it's always much harder when the artist has talent, you know. So this was an ambitious project and one that I've been thinking about since it came out.
2: I admire her for feeling like she can do whatever she wants but I don't always think that she needs to do whatever she
1: wants <laughs> a lesson for us all yeah I was gonna say that these are valuable life lessons did either of you get the chance to see her perform live I did, I did. You did. And, and and because I think that's like an interesting piece of the conversation as well, because what she's doing in that space and, and the way that she's representing her music in, in more formats than just the way that we listen, right? Like it's very visual, it's very dance focused, all of these types of things. Was there anything that, that that experience you walked away, it impacted the way that you felt the album?
2: I think one thing that I found interesting, but that also just made the concert experience harder for me to process was just this whole idea of her like the entire time that she's on stage she's kind of being followed around by different cameras and camera phones that are capturing everything that's going on stage so there's almost this like third layer between you and her and like you're watching her but you're also watching her on screen through a camera lens and it's something that is futuristic and challenging I think I also just couldn't help but feel like after like man like what would it have been like to just see her you know play those songs and and she did like she she does like a lot on on stage where she's like playing guitar and playing piano but there is sort of that that element i think of rosalia always kind of pushing and, and trying something different and adding this kind of tech element to it that at least it makes it different
3: the song sakura which closes the album is itself kind of like a facsimile or simulation of a live performance and to hear that song actually live was really special and interesting you can tell that as an artist she's grappling with like the space between her and her audience, the space that she takes in her fame and how it's distanced her in many ways, in positive and negative, from her own communities and and music communities. So it's interesting to see where she'll go next from that.
2: Yeah, it's meta and it's challenging. It's very resilient. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's a beautiful way to put it. We'll be right back with all the best music of the year after this break.
4: This message comes from NPR sponsor Acorn TV. Acorn TV isn't just good, it's brilliant. With exceptional television from around the world. Their romances are more charming, their mysteries cozier, their noirs more gripping, and their comedies cleverer. More clever? Oh, you get it. Acorn TV is brilliant stories told brilliantly. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. So, in a nutshell, Acorn TV. Brilliant. This message comes from NPR sponsor Squarespace. Measure your end-to-end online performance with powerful website and seller analytics. Get insights on top traffic sources, understand how your reach is growing, and more. Use code NPR to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Support for NPR and the following message come from Sattva. Sattva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands, but because they're sold online, they're about half the price.
1: Well, there was a ton of other music, obviously, that came out this year. And, and I would love to hear from both of you if you had to pick an album, a favorite, a thing that you really
3: just want to spend some time with
1: or that you spent some time with this year. Um, What was it? I'll start with you, Steph.
3: I went with an album that really, yeah, that I'd been waiting for for a long time. A uh, debut album from an artist that I've really been a fan of since I first heard her. It's Amor Hardcore by Isabella Love Story. She's from Honduras. And... Though this album has a lot of different sounds and genres, I think has been most closely classified with Neo Perreo, which is the underground reggaeton scene that embraces digital aesthetics, internet culture, Y2K, influenced by underground movements of all kinds, industrial, goth, alternative punk. Reggaeton, as we know, is a very male, very machista genre often, and and we still see that reflected with the genre's biggest artist's Maneo Perreo has become a really affirming space for young women, young queer people, and trans people. <muchas>
2: to Lisa what about you? That Isabelia love story one is a great one. I feel like I was like late to the party on that one and just like spent time with it recently and it's really really good. One that I found myself turning to constantly just you know a little different it was the Silvana Estrada Marchita album. so good. I think one of the things that I love is that there's such an intimacy on it. She's an incredible artist who communicates so much without having to do a lot. And it's so spare and it just sounds so rich and clean and organic. It's really just kind of her voice and guitars or the cuatro which she plays. She has this maturity and wisdom beyond her years. Like, so much of the album is is about heartbreak, and I spoke to her in January, kind of right after it came out, and she talked a lot about how so much of it was the idea of her suffering because she was realizing that love wasn't what she thought it was and I think you know it could have been sort of this like schmaltzy cliched heartbreak album but because she's such a talented musician I think that she really just made it profound and wise and something that I I kept turning back to and I'm also like a really big fan of like Cantadores and and Nueva Trova and I feel like there's like certain singers like I love like Silvia Rodríguez and Jorge Drexler. And I feel like there's like certain writers like Natalia La Forca, where she kind of falls in that vein um, of just people who are really powerful writers.
1: Yeah, I love that you place her in that canon of these just incredible, like, they're incredible lyricists, but also just there's something so human about all of them that I think is so. I think that we all gravitate towards, right? Where it's like people who can write like that and touch people, both in what and what they say, and also you know, Silvana talks a lot about like people who don't understand my lyrics, like they still connect, and and there's something about being able to create something that just touches the soul. It like makes you feel like the world is manageable.
3: Oh, yeah, her tiny desk, I have to say, is all time. Oh, God. I still cry such every an experience.
1: Time. <laughs> I cried. Felix
3: cried. <laughs> yes, I, I too cried.
2: <laughs> she's pulling from all of these different traditions and style. Like, she's, like, trained in jazz and choir singing. And she just has such a deep understanding of sangharocho and wapango And she's low-key about it, but she's pulling from all of these different things, you know, the way that, like you know, almost like the way like Rosalia would, like there's all these influences on here and there's just so understated. And I think one of the things that I love doing on this album is just like cracking it open and kind of seeing how she kind of weaves these things in
1: so seamlessly and so delicately. Mm. There's such a like easy entry point. It's such a comfort album in a way. Like it has become this year for me, a comfort album in a way, even though there's nothing comfortable about it which I think to have the gift of of, and that is Silvana that is her energy but to have the gift to bring those two things together is incredible well I have to add that my favorite album or an album that I kind of came to really late in the year was Guitarica de la Fuente oh, album it's so good so good La Cantera and I really just I don't even know where to begin on it because there's so much that he does with it he was making music on YouTube is kind of like where he got his start and now to be releasing an, a record like this I mean He really plays, like it's really his, this album is his musical sandbox, absolutely, and it's jazzy, it's electronic, it's guitar driven, and the way that I see it is it's almost like this chess-centered music. It just like hits you right there before it goes anywhere else, and you just have to feel it, and you feel those rhythms, and he definitely has like those flamenco beats, just like we were talking about earlier with Rosalia, which again, he's from Barcelona too so there's all of that accompanies that as well but he really is doing something really exciting I think it's also a poppy record in a way like there's almost moments that feel a little like Billie Eilish-esque to me I don't know if you guys heard that but that was kind of my like hot take around it. I was like I don't know I'm almost hearing Billy here I'm just hearing a lot of different things and so it was really really a wonderful experience to get to dive into this kind of later in the year. One of the
2: songs that I think I played to death this year was the, the opener on that, which is me doing mm. Noches. Because I have a baby (laughs) and the day is very busy. A lot of music I listen to like super late at night Um, and I run super late at night. So I was like running down the street, like listening to that. and, And it came on just the way that it starts off where it's like this incredible, like sort of this like gentle voice. And then it just goes haywire after there. And then he starts bringing all these synths into it and taking it into unexpected directions. I was like, what is this? Aww. Um and I think it
1: was the first like
2: song of his I'd ever I'd ever heard before. That's amazing.
1: Okay, so lightning round really quick cuz I know it was really hard for all of us to It was
0: really
1: hard. Was really hard. <laughs> this was like, can I just say the albums that came out this year? I was really like there was a lot of really diverse exciting stuff, I think. But if you had to pick one maybe even two more what would you what would you throw out there just some names for people
2: okay i'm gonna mention Lucrecia Dalt. she had this album called yes. i that blew my mind um, so good yeah she's a colombian artist who lives in berlin and just makes this really dark experimental music but on this album she's adding you know there's a lot of bolero traditions there's just a lot of things that you would feel like don't belong in this dark experimental universe but just the way that she's it's so well crafted and so different i think to anything else that i that i heard this year
0: uh-huh.
2: think if I'm going to mention another one, Medio Picky put out a self-titled album that pretty much puts on display everything that he can do. And he's just such a talented producer. And I think it's such a reminder of just how the Dominican Republic is a breeding ground right now for some of the most exciting talent in Latin music. And there's just these young kids doing stuff that's so freaking cool. I just like thought this album like it I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. He has a song with Diego Raposo called Dios nos está viendo and it kind of goes into this like dark screaming metal break and it's just it's so good.
0: Dios nos está
3: I absolutely loved, and this was an EP by alt-Latino favorite, Girl Ultra, who did a tiny desk this year that was fabulous. Um, the EP is El Sur, inspired by the south of Mexico City, where she's from. And I think it's just six songs, but I mean, the the amount of ground that she's able to cover, subtly, it's not like so in your face, but like experimenting with genre. She's, you know, we know her as an R&B singer. But she experiments here with punk. She's got a song that interpolates Gwen Stefani's Bubble Pop Electric, which is like absolutely one of the things that just blew my mind this year. And it just sounds like you're like leaving the house at like 11 p.m. for a night out, and it is just incredibly crisp and just an excellent encapsulation of what she can do. And my next pick, I think, would have to be Nakarile by Ile. and this album was just so special, really meditative and quiet. Yeah, just it was just like an incredibly close listen. It felt, if that made sense. I just, I, I really just like hadn't listened to her in a while since Almadura and I just like. Remembered everything that I love about Ile, how personal and yet political her music is. How much she's able to fit in a small space of a song. With a special shout out to Traguito with Mona Ferte, which is like just so vindicating and so good. <laughs>
1: Saw that list of songs come through for the album and I saw that Mona Ferte was on it. I was like, this is too much for me. I can't handle this. Like, this is just gonna be amazing.
2: (laughs) Just like the female power, like Evie Queen is on there too. Like,
1: Mm -hmm. oh yeah. That's right. Yeah. No, I didn't even know. I didn't read it. And I was listening and I was like, is that Evie Queen on this track? (laughs) I was not. Physically, mentally, emotionally prepared for that. Um, I'm going to throw in El Bueno y el Malo by Hermanos Gutierrez. We were lucky enough to be able to speak with them, which was awesome. And that record, it's just cinema to me. It's literally, it's watching a movie and it's such a beautiful testament to, I think, all the pieces of who they are and and all the different places they've experienced. and, And I loved when we spoke with them, they really... I don't know framed it almost as though it's like it's a family record it's a family heirloom if you will Um, they really see music as crucial to family and to passing down generations of, of love and knowledge and I just I think you can feel that energy when you listen to them so I loved that one Wow, I wish we had time for, like, 20 more because there's, like, so, so much to be said. And I'm curious if there's something to either of you that feels particularly unique about this year. Like, if you had to pinpoint, I don't know, anything that's just really stood out as you're like, this was the year of blank. Is there anything that comes to mind?
3: I think we saw a lot of, like, experimentation this year. And I think it's hopefully, I see, you know, all of these albums did quite a lot of, like, genre, experimenting and pushing, particularly in the pop formats, like what people want to listen to. I mean, there's a lot of albums that we don't even get to talk about it, but that like, I'm thinking of Rao Alejandro's album, which like really solidified this thing that like has been happening in pop in general, but has now reached Latin pop of, you know, house music, dance music, this EDM thing that's been happening. And I think like what's really exciting is that, at least in Latin pop and the mainstream you know, audiences have always had an appetite for cool, weird stuff, and all of these albums did that. And I think, you know, at least it's time for the industry to recognize that, like, the same things that worked for, like, club and radio play in the past are, like, not what people want. Their intelligence is higher, and their appetite is certainly open for weirder, cooler experiments.
2: The Rao and especially reminds me so much of, like, how that kind of need to break down genres has always been there um and if you think especially if you think about like the the relationship between electronic music and reggaeton going back years um Mm -hmm. and i think it just shows like there's no there's no boundaries now
1: well thank you to both of you so much julissa and steph for coming on and and doing this with me i don't know how i would be able to unpack it all without you, and we just literally scratch the surface. I'm sure we could sit here. We'll do this offline sometime for a much longer time. But thank you both. It's always wonderful to have you on the show.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Before we go, we want to remind you about a short anonymous survey you can take to help us out. Please tell us what you like and how we could improve by going to npr.org forward slash survey. That's npr.org forward slash Alt Latino survey. You can also find the link in our show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And a huge thanks to Stephanie Fernandez and Julissa Lopez for coming on and chatting through some of this music with me this week. A huge thanks also to our audio producer, Ron Scalzo, our production assistant, Fee O'Reilly the woman who keeps everything together, Grace Chung, and to our editor, Hazel Sills. And, of course, big shout-out to Jefe-in-Chief, Keith Jenkins, VP of Music and Visuals. You have been listening to Alt Latino.
4: This message comes from NPR sponsor Betterment. The drama of having an enemy-turned-lover is never chill. But your investing portfolio should be. Betterment is the investing app that lets you be totally chill about your finances. Their automated tech makes it easy to get in the market and stay in the market. Save the drama for that moment when you realize your mortal enemy is actually your soulmate. Betterment. Be invested. And totally chill. Learn more at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed.
0: This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on.